ग्रंथराज श्रीमद भागवतम की शीला प्रभुपाद की जय निताई गौर प्रेमानंदे ओम 
नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Hare Krishna. Today we are reading from Canto Seven, Chapter Seven. Chapter Seven is entitled "What Prahlad Learned in the Womb." Uh, today we are on text fifteen. Rishi Karuni Kastasya. Rishi Karuni Kastasya. Pradad Ubhayam Ishvara. प्रादादुभयम् धर्मस्य धर्मस्य उदिश्य निर्मल उदिश्य निर्मल थैंक यू प्रभुजी प्रादादुभयम् ईश्वरा धर्मस्य तत्वम् ज्ञानम् च मामपियुदिश्य निर्मलम् ऋषिकारुणिकस्तस्या प्रादादुभयम् ईश्वरा धर्मस्य तत्वम् ज्ञानम् च मामपियुदिश्य निर्मलम् वैष्णवीस 
translation rishi the great sage narad muni karuni kaha naturally very affectionate or merciful to the fallen souls tasya to her pradat gave instructions ubhayam both ishwaraha a powerful controller who can do whatever he likes narad muni dharmasya of religion tatvam the truth gyanam knowledge cha and mam me api especially uddishya indicating nirmalam without material contamination Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. Narad Muni delivered His instructions both to me, who was within the womb, and to my mother, who was engaged in rendering Him service. Because He is naturally extremely kind to the fallen souls, being, uh, fallen souls, being in a transcendental position, He gave instructions on religion and transcendental knowledge. These instructions were free from all material contamination. Purport. Here it is said, dharmasya tattvam jnanam cha nirmalam. The word nirmalam refers to spotless dharma, spotless religion, or in other words, bhagavad dharma. Ordinary ritualistic activities constitute contaminated religion, by which one benefits uh, by developing material wealth and prosperity. But uncontaminated pure religion consists of understanding one's relationship with God and acting accordingly thus fulfilling the highest mission of life and returning home back to Godhead. Prahlad Maharaj advised that one elevate oneself to the standard of Bhagavad Dharma from the very beginning of life. Kaumara Acharet Pragyo Dharman Bhagavatam Ihan. The Lord himself also spoke of pure uncontaminated religion when he says, Sarva Dharman Parityajyam Maam Ekam Sharanam Vraja. Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. Bhagavad Gita 18.66 One must understand one's relationship with God and then act accordingly. This is Bhagavad Dharma. Uh, this is Bhagavad Dharma. Bhagavad Dharma means Bhakti Yoga. Om Ajnanati Mirandhasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Tadati Svapadantikam 
ವಾಂಚಾಕಲ್ಪತರೂಭ್ಯ ಕೃಪಾಸಿಂಧೂಭ್ಯ ಪತಿತೇಭ್ಯೋ ವೈಷ್ಣವೇಭ್ಯೋ ನಮೋ ನಮಃ ಜಯ ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಪ್ರಭುನಿತ್ಯನಂದ ಶ್ರೀಅದ್ವೈತ ಗದಾಧರ ಶ್ರೀವಾಸಾದಿಗೌರಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಾಮ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಸೊ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಕಂಟಿನ್ಯೂಯಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಯರ್ ಹೌ ಪ್ರಹ್ಲಾದ್ ಮಹಾರಾಜ್ ಬಿಕೇಮ್ ಅ ಡಿವೋಟಿ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಅಟ್ ದಿ ಎಂಡ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಪ್ರೀವಿಯಸ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಇನ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ಟೀನ್ ಸಾರಿ ಇನ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ ಹಿಸ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ಮೇಟ್ಸ್ ಅಡ್ ಆಸ್ಟ್ ಹಿಮ್ ದೇ ಹ್ಯಾಡ್ ಸೆಟ್ ದಟ್ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಆಲ್ ಸ್ಟಡಿಂಗ್ ಟುಗೆದರ್ ಇಯರ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ವೀವ್ ಸಿನ್ಸ್ ಯು ಸಿನ್ಸ್ ಯುವರ್ ಚೈಲ್ಡ್ ವೀವ್ ಸೀನ್ ಯು ಸಿನ್ಸ್ ಯುವರ್ ಚೈಲ್ಡ್ಹುಡ್ ಯು ಬೀನ್ ವಿತ್ ಅಸ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ಆಲ್ಸೋ ಡೂಯಿಂಗ್ ದ ಸೇಮ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಸೇಮ್ ಎನ್ವಾಯರ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ದಟ್ ವಿ ಆಲ್ ಆರ್ ಬಟ್ ವೇರ್ ಡಿಡ್ ಯು ಲರ್ನ್ ಆಲ್ ದೀಸ್ ಥಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಎಕ್ಸಾಲ್ಟೆಡ್ ಫಿಲಾಸಫಿ ವಿಚ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ಟೆಲಿಂಗ್ ಅಸ್ ಡ್ಯೂರಿಂಗ್ ಆರ್ ಬ್ರೇಕ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಮೇಕಿಂಗ್ ಅಸ್ ಚಾನ್ ದ ಹೋಲಿ ನೇಮ್ಸ್ ವೇರ್ ಡಿಡ್ ಯು ಲರ್ನ್ ಆಲ್ ದೀಸ್ ಥಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದಟ್ಸ್ ವೆನ್ ಪ್ರಹ್ಲಾದ್ ಮಹಾರಾಜ್ ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟ್ ಸ್ಪೀಕಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ಆನ್ ಹೌ ಯು ನೋ ಹೀ ಬಿಕೇಮ್ ಅ ಡಿವೋಟಿ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಹೌ ಹೀ ಲರ್ನ್ಟ್ ಇಟ್ ಫ್ರಾಮ್ ಹಿಸ್ ಗುರು ನಾರದ್ ಮುನಿ ಸೊ ದ ಬಿಗ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿಸ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಡಿಸ್ಕ್ರೈಬ್ ದ ಹಿಸ್ಟ್ರಿ how you know kaya hiranyakashipu was performing austerities and that time the demigods took advantage of the situation you know it says when the cat is away the mouse uh, mice is at play so they realized okay hiranyakashipu is away let us go and uh, capture kayadu because they knew she was pregnant and they wanted to actually kill that child but narad muni intervened in a timely manner and narad muni said no actually this child is a great devotee of the lord he doesn't he is not like his uh, demoniac like his father hiranyakashipu and he took kayadu to her uh, to his ashram and over there kayadu actually was rendering some service like it said in today's translation and narad muni would sit and narrate the shrimad bhagavatam to her and prahlad maharaj in the womb heard the entire shrimad bhagavatam from obviously the lotus leaves or lips of uh, none other than narad muni and that's how he became a devotee that's what prahlad maharaj is narrating to his classmates so we see over here that prabhupad is stressing and even prahlad maharaj is stressing the importance of pure dharma because prabhupad in the first line of the purport is saying that dharmasya tatvam gyanam cha nirmalam nirmalam refers to spotless dharma or spotless religion which in other words is nothing but bhagavad dharma so dharma word is actually defined by shri la prabhupad in the introduction to the bhagavad gita and there prabhupad says that dharma means the natural it's dharma doesn't mean a particular religion but dharma means the natural uh, constitutional position of a living entity and prabhupad gives nice analogies there prabhupad says that just as the dharma or the natural constitutional uh, position of sugar is sweetness so you can't take you can't take our sweetness out of sugar otherwise it won't be sugar in the same way the natural constitutional position or dharma of water is liquidity it will always flow so prabhupad said similarly the natural constitutional position of a living entity or his dharma eternal dharma is to render service now it is a living entity's choice whether he decides to render service to his own senses or to maya or he decides to turn his back to uh, sorry turn his front to krishna and he actually renders service to krishna and also you know we see sometimes this word dharma is like misconstrued in different different ways and people say think that the religion particular religion or faith that they are following is actually dharma 
and therefore they say that oh we are worshippers our dharma is to worship ganesha or our you know in our religion we worship so there is a mix up of these two words dharma and religion but prabhupad clearly says that dharma is not religion dharma is common you know when we say you know common to everybody when we talk about the four problems of uh, material life and our bhakti vriksha programs from the science of self realization that why it, that times who say the problem has to be common to everybody so in the same way religion can be different in different people's heart but dharma is the common thing which ties all living entities together and that is the quality of rendering service and many prabhupada is talking also many people actually think that if they are doing some moral like there are two types of people there will be moral people who believe in a higher power and therefore they might worship they at least recognize a higher living entity and they might render some service or they might go and worship that person it more than rendering service it's more about asking give me this give me that give me that it's more about that like i had said once in a previous bhagavatam class there was once a survey which was done for there was a big queue outside a ganesha temple on a tuesday and then you know one reporter was asking everybody what have you come here for and most of the people said oh i i'm going through a big crisis in my job or we have some health crisis in the family or i've come here to pray because i don't have children or i've come here to pray because my children are not listening to me and they've gone astray or you know i've come here to pray because uh, i want to buy a new house so everybody had material desires and they had come there to fulfill those desires so that religion is you know they are morally pious people and that is why they are at least recognizing higher living entities and prabhupad said actually that is glorious because nowadays people are i don't care they don't you know care they don't even want to recognize that something is being given to them by higher living entities in fact uh, once uh, achyutananda ma prabhu had asked shri la prabhupad they were traveling in a train uh, to calcutta and he had asked he said prabhupad what is higher is christianity higher or demigod worship higher and prabhupad had said that demigod worship is actually higher because it is at least vedic and you know has krishna also says he gives the faith in the 7th uh, chapter of the bhagavad gita and even in the 9th chapter he talks about the position of demigod worship and he says that i give faith to a person who is inclined to worship a demigod i make their faith strong so krishna from our heart somebody who is inclined to worship ganesha or durga or kartikeya or whichever demigod krishna actually makes that makes that faith strong and makes them worship that demigod and on the other hand krishna says that i also empower the demigod to fulfill the desires of that particular living entity so this is what what you know krishna is also talking about so when we have somebody is worshiping the demigod <clears throat> at least it is vedic it is mentioned in the scriptures and prabhupad says and krishna further says but by doing that one day they will become purified and they will come to me to my worship so that therefore prabhupad said that one day they will actually because they are on the vedic path and the goal of vedas vedeshcha cha sarva aham eva vedyo the goal of the vedas to is to ultimately understand lord krishna and to achieve him and that's what these people will reach but here what and you know the second people are the morally uh, moral people but who are not believing in a higher power so they have some moral values and what they do is then they utilize at least their wealth in some charity doing good to others maybe you know giving helping some people around or you know going and giving some money to some old age homes or something like that so these people will do that that sort of activity but at least it is bringing him to the mode of goodness but what prabhupad is talking about here that no these are all contaminated religion we understand they are following something at least pious and good in their lives but they are contaminated religion but the highest religion is what is called as bhagavad dharma 
and that is what Narad Muni imparted to Prahlad Maharaj and that is what made Prahlad Maharaj a pure devotee that he was. So um, this Bhagavad Dharma has been obviously stressed by Srila Prabhupada throughout the Bhagavatam. And it, in fact, earlier when you know we were in the seventh, um, sorry, sixth canto, and we heard about the um, pastime of Ajamil. So that time we see a beautiful exchange between the Yamadutas and Yamaraj. So Yamadutas are defeated by the Vishnu Dutas when they come to claim the soul of Ajamil. The Vishnu Dutas come there and they defeat Yamaraj and they send them back. And they say that now you don't have any right over this particular person because he chanted Narayan. And so the Yamadutas were shocked. It was the biggest shock of their life because they thought, who, is, who are these people who are actually negating the order of Yamaraj? They thought Yamaraj was actually the highest or the supreme most. So they go and question and the dialogue between Yamaraj and the Yamadutas is really beautiful. The instructions which Yamaraj gives them. And as part of those instructions, there is the famous verse which Yamaraj quotes, where he says, again, you know, the Bhagavad Dharma is stressed, that's why we'll just refer to this verse. So this is from Srimad Bhagavatam, 6th canto, 3rd chapter, 20th and 21st verse, where it says, Swayambhuva Narada Shambhu, Kumara Kapilo Manu, Prahlado Janako Bhabhishma, Balir Vaya Saki Vayam, Dvadashe Vignano Vignanimo, Dharman Bhagavatam Bhabhataha, Guhyam Vishudham Durbodham, Yam so the translation Prabhupada says that obviously these are the 12 Mahajans, what uh, Yamaraj just quoted, Bhishma, Narada, Shiva, four Kumaras, Kapila, the son of Swayambhuva Manu, the son of Devati, Devahuti, Swayambhuva Manu, Prahlad Maharaj himself is actually a Mahajan who is right now, you know, saying that he learnt everything from Narada Muni. Um, Janak Maharaj, Bhishma, Bali Maharaj, Sukhdev Goswami and I myself, this is, that means Yamaraj is also one of the Mahajans. They are, we know the real religious principles. My dear servants, Yamadutas, this transcendental religious principle which is known as Bhagavata Dharma or surrender unto the Supreme Lord and love for Him is uncontaminated by material modes of nature. It is very confidential and difficult for ordinary human beings to understand. But if by chance one fortunately understands it, like Prahlad Maharaj is telling his classmates, he is immediately liberated and thus he returns home back to Godhead. So over here, even, you know, uh, Yamaraj is telling that the real religious principles are nothing but Bhagavad Dharma uncontaminated religion and again that is what Prabhupada is also quoting over here. So the importance of following Bhagavad Dharma in the disciplic succession either from you know Narad Muni or from the four Kumaras or from Lord Shiva or from uh, Lakshmi Devi like these are all the people who have established bona fide Vaishnava Sampradayas in this world and if one, one is connected to following this Bhagavad Dharma following in their footsteps Prabhupada says they are definitely going to return home back to Godhead. In fact, one Srila Prabhupada, one of the disciples asked Srila Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada that these 12 Mahajans are listed in the Bhagavatam, but what about others <coughs> like Moses, <coughs> Jesus Christ, Prophet Muhammad, what about all of them? Are they also Mahajans? And Prabhupada thought for a while and Prabhupada said, yes, they are also Mahajans. They are Mahajans on their own faith and their scriptures. And therefore, if they are also giving the message of true love of Godhead and they are following whatever was given to them by the Lord, then definitely they are also Mahajans. And we see in the Bible, you know, some of these Mahajans of their tradition are mentioned like St. Matthew, St. Assisi, St. John. So these, these um, 
Mahajans or these saints I mentioned who are actually coming in that particular succession and they are giving the message of love of Godhead. On another occasion, a disciple asked Srila Prabhupada that Prabhupada, not asked, rather he told Srila Prabhupada that Srila Prabhupada, you are the 13th Mahajan. And Prabhupada was smiling and Prabhupada said, yes, that's true, but you are the 14th Mahajan. So what Prabhupada was trying to stress was, you know, hearing this Bhagavad Dharma in the disciplic succession starting from Lord Krishna. And these 12 Mahajans who are mentioned by uh, Yamaraj in the 6th canto, it's, you know, they, ha they know the real religious principles and they are enunciating it. And if someone is following in their footsteps, they are actually also a Mahajan. If they are also preaching the highest religious principle. And Prabhupada says, in the last line of the purport, Prabhupada says, Bhagavad Dharma means Bhakti Yoga. And just recently we concluded uh, discussing the chapter in, in our Bhakti Shastri class, we concluded the Bhakti Yoga section. We finished the 12th chapter of the, because 7 to 12 chapters are called as the Bhakti Yoga section. And we just finished concluding the 12th chapter. And in the 12th chapter from verses 8 to 12, Krishna is actually talking about the stages of Bhakti Yoga. And Krishna gives different, different, because Krishna is a very inclusive God and all-encompassing God. So he knows everybody is not right at the highest stage. And you know, we say surrender everything to me, but people don't know, like, and people might not be on that stage. They might still be on the correct path, they might be progressing on the path of bhakti, but they might still not be there where they can surrender suddenly everything, give up everything and straight away do pure devotional service. So in that section also, Krishna is telling Arjuna that, you know, the highest stage, he talks in the descending order and he says the highest stage is actually what Prabhupada is talking about over here, uncontaminated worship, where he's saying that somebody who actually completely is in Smarana Dasha, he says, and is completely thinking of me, that is the highest stage and he will certainly achieve me at the end of his life. And then, you know, one step lower, if somebody is not able to constantly think of Krishna, because obviously they are not in that stage and, you know, there the example is also given because Smarana Dasha means, you know, being in Smaranam of Lord Krishna always. And who is the person who is, who uh, symbolizes this Smaranam of devotion? Prahlad Maharaj himself, very good Sivya. So, and he is only talking over here about Bhagavad Dharma. So he was able to be constantly in Smaranam of Krishna, but everyone, for everyone it's not possible. And then Krishna goes one step lower. And there he says that, okay, if you can't be always thinking of me and absorbed with me, then you follow the regulations of Bhakti Yoga. And there Prabhupada quotes that in the nectar of devotion, all the regulations, the 64 items, of Bhakti Yoga are given and obviously the five potent items are there of Bhagavat, uh, Bhagavat Shranam, Mathuravas, Sri Murti Sevaya, Association of Devotees, all that and chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So uh, these regulations and Prabhupada explains in the purport that, you know, that is why Prabhupada has instituted this whole society of ISKCON where actually people get an opportunity to be engaged in the practical regulations of Bhakti Yoga and that way progress to the higher stage which is then to be constantly in Smaranam of the Lord. Because we are embodied in this material, we are embodied and we have senses. We, you know, an embodied living entity cannot completely control the mind, they need some practical engagement of their senses. And therefore Prabhupada created these big, big, big temples where there are so many services happening. In fact, once a reporter asked Srila Prabhupada, he said that, why are you creating all these huge, huge temples? And Prabhupada said that for me, I can actually sit under a tree and I'm happy to chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. But will you come to me if I'm sitting under the tree? 
right now because we have these big temples you are coming to interview me and you are now going to publish about the uh, krishna consciousness movement in your newspaper but i am happy to chant under a tree as well and we know shri prabhupad was doing that in vrindavan it's not that he is just you know talking about it but he didn't show by his example in vrindavan prabhupad was practically living in a little room in the radha damodar temple cooking himself going to delhi trying to publish his book so he lived that he lived that life and then he came to the west and krishna gave him the success of establishing so many temples so that is the next stage he talks about and then krishna says if you can't do that also then you at least surrender the results of your work to uh, me so that way at least you will come to me so, you know slowly you will progress and you will come to me and there prabhupada explains that if somebody is not practically able to come and do services at the temple and engage in the regulations of bhakti yoga then they can give their money for krishna conscious activities they can help to open temples they can help to distribute books they can help to sponsor dresses for the deities for example so there are so many ways in which they can sponsor prashadam at the temple so that way you purify your lakshmi your efforts your labor you purify and that way you can then come to me so in this way krishna is giving different different stages of bhakti yoga for people who cannot be in that particular uh, highest stage because krishna is very merciful and prabhupada being in the you know pure disciplic succession coming from krishna prabhupad is also following that particular order of bhagavad dharma and giving us practical things to do he has given us the bhagavatam he you know sat till late nights and he translated the bhagavatam for us but at the same time he also gave these practical engagements for people like us who, who cannot come all the time you know sit uh, and uh, read the bhagavatam or chant and be absorbed in smaranam of krishna and in that in the same way we had so many acharyas also who came who to give to give us all these particular principles and to tell us about the practical aspects of bhakti yoga or highest bhagavad dharma and today is actually the disappearance day of one such elevated acharya in our um, uh, in our parampara and that is none other than sanatan goswami so it's his disappearance day today and it is also guru purnima and uh, in fact the first month of chaturmas also starts from today so it's a very very auspicious day to discuss about shrimad bhagavatam to discuss about um you know a glorious acharya like uh, sanatan goswami and it is always purifying on up the appearance and disappearance day of a personality to talk about them because it is said they are in a very merciful mood and they are giving lots of blessings so it's a good opportunity for us to glorify sanatan goswami and we'll do that for the next few minutes of the class so sanatan goswami was um, actually you know in uh, there is a book called laghu laghu vaishnav toshni where jiva goswami has given the whole family lineage because jiva goswami is also in sanatan goswami's family lineage so he has given the whole family lineage and jiva goswami almost goes back six or seven generations and he accurately gives the family lineage of sanatan goswami over there so we won't go back all those generations but we'll talk about maybe two generations so it is said that there was a very expert vedic brahmana whose name was shri kumaradev and you know this brahmana was actually a yajurvedi brahmana and they were coming in the uh, disciplic succession of bharadvaj gotra so whenever you know you go to do some um, archana at a temple and if you are a brahmana you are always asked what is your gotra and gotra means which one of the sages are you associated with so he was associated with the bharadvaj gotra so this particular brahman kumaradev used to live um, at bakla chakradweep on the banks of ganga and he had three sons uh, he had the, his sons were amar santosh and vallabha 
So Amar is none other than Sanatan Goswami, Santosh is Rupa Goswami and Vallabha is Anupam Goswami. So these three were brothers who were born to Sri Kumara Dev on the banks of Bakla Chakradweep, um, on the banks of Yaganga in Bakla Chakradweep. So Sanatan Goswami was born in the Christian year 1488. Um, and all these three brothers, uh, Sanatan Goswami, Rupa Goswami and Anupam Goswami, they were studying at their maternal uncle's home. When they were very young, they, are, they, were, uh, they were staying at their maternal uncle's home in a small village called Sakurma, which is near the capital of Gaudadesh. So they used to study over there in that small village. And all three of them were extremely intelligent. Very intelligent and very quickly they became proficient in all the Shastras, in the Vedas, in the scriptures and all that. And very expert in grammar and um, different aspects of the Sanskrit language. Since childhood they were very devoted to Lord Krishna as well. So where they were living, all three of them were devoted and where they were living, they had construct, they had, you know, they, they used to live because nothing was developed. Like now we see present day Navadweep and Mayapur, it's also developed. But that time it was mostly forests and all. So where they were living, they had actually established uh, names for all these forests and um, they, they, used to call, they used to go and play in these forests and they used to call them the 12 forests of Vrindavan. Mm -hmm. Like they had named them as Mahavan, Talvan, Nidhivan, like that they had named all these forests. And they also had, you know, there were some ponds over there to say they used to take bath over there and they used to, they named them as Radha Kund and Shyamakund. So they had created this whole mini Vrindavan around them, even in their childhood, where they were paying, playing. And once, you know, during his uh, early life, Sanatan Goswami had a dream. And in that dream, one young, beautiful Brahmin boy came to him and he gave him the Srimad Bhagavatam. And he gave him the instructions while giving Srimad Bhagavatam that you deeply study this particular scripture and always be absorbed in it. And when Sanatan Goswami woke up, that dream had broken. And he was realizing there was no Brahman over there and he became very sad and despondent because he really was yeah, like happy to receive that Srimad Bhagavatam from the Brahman. But later in the morning when he finished taking his bath and he was finished his daily puja, there was actually a small Brahmin boy who came to his house. A very effulgent looking Brahmin boy and then he came and gave the Srimad Bhagavatam book to uh, Sanatan Goswami and he told him that you be absorbed in this book and study this book very carefully. And since his childhood, Sanatan Goswami that way was very absorbed in studying this particular book. And he also used to talk about it. All the three brothers used to sit and discuss about this particular um, uh, scripture very uh, carefully. So because they, had, they were such expert and intelligent people, and there were so many Brahmins and other Hindus who used to follow them. They used to actually always you know, go to Sanatan Goswami and Rupa Goswami and Anupam Goswami for advice and even to discuss the Shastras because they realize that they are expert in these Shastras and they are scholars, Vedic scholars. So the current, the current ruler um, of that particular region, Batsa Hushen Shah, he came to know about their expertise and their scholarliness and he also came to know that they are very influential in the Hindu community. So he actually, he was obviously a very, they are, you know, political strategists, the, being the ruler. So he thought that if I engage these two, these three brothers in my service in the kingdom, then all the Hindus will become very favorable towards, uh, towards uh, my rule. So he actually employed them. He employed them and he told them to come and take, take up important portfolios in his particular, depart, uh, particular kingdom. 
and they were very reluctant obviously because they did not want to join this Muslim king and he was the Muslim king not that he was very good he was actually performing lots of atrocities on the local people he was a meat eater obviously and he was against Vedic religion and Hindu Dharma so they did not want to join him but there was no choice because they, they knew that if they don't do it, they will perform further atrocities, atrocities on all the other remaining Hindus in the region. So they joined them and they had to move to a place called Ramakeli. And even when they were in Ramakeli, now these, you know, the, uh, Nawab Hussain Shah was very happy with their services. So he gave them a lot of wealth. He bestowed them the, so much treasury and he also built big, big palaces for them to live in. So he gave them so much luxury. And you know, both the brothers were utilizing all this wealth in just studying the scriptures and propagating the scriptures. So even within those palaces and that land which they had, they had been given to live in Ramakeli, they created something called Gupta Vrindavan. So there also they created all these Shyamakund, Ramakund and uh, Radhakund and also the 12 forests of Vrindavan. And all their time they would spend, most of their time they would spend in going through these forests or they would invite very, very elevated brahmanas to their assemblies in their palaces and they would be discussing the scriptures and about Bhagavad Dharma and about Krishna consciousness and about devotion to Lord Krishna. That is how they would spend most of their time. So it was very uh, um, unusual in those days for a Muslim king to actually, you know, give these, these particular positions to some to his employers to his ministers who were still practicing Hindu Dharma so they did not give up their Hindu Dharma they were still practicing their Dharma but still he was so happy with their services that he gave them important portfolio so Sanatan Goswami was actually the prime minister of the region and he made Rupa Goswami the home minister and he had given them titles as well he got, he was calling them Dabir Khas and Sakara Malik these are the titles he had bestowed which are very eminent titles according to the rule of the Muslim king over there. So he was very respectful to them and he really uh, honored and respected their, uh, the way they were, their strategy planning and their decision making and all that and he had given them a free hand to rule the kingdom as they want and that's where you know Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami taking advantage of this freedom the king had given they would invite all the Brahmins and they would just discuss scriptures in their palaces. So they, you know, they had, they had heard about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when they were living in Ramakeli and they had heard that he is a very elevated sannyasi who is preaching the message of Godhead and who is traveling far and wide talking about the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and spreading Sankirtan to the masses of people. So once Sanatan Goswami had a dream of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and that time he did not know him as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He just saw the dream and in that dream there was an effulgent sannyasi who came in his dream and he told him to give up he said don't become too attached to all this materialistic life because obviously they were living in lot of luxury Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami so he told Sanatan Goswami don't become too attached to all this materialistic way of life be detached and be prepared to leave all this and come to Vrindavan so Sanatan Goswami's dream broke and he rushed to Rupa Goswami and he said that I had this really ecstatic dream where this effulgent sannyasi is giving me this instruction and Rupa Goswami said, yes, I have also heard this effulgent san uh, uh, sannyasi is none other than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he is being said that he is the supreme personality of Godhead. And I have also heard that people are just surrendering to him. He is spreading the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and everybody is just surrendering to him. 
so then from that day onwards they both became very anxious to surrender to chaitanya mahaprabhu and they were losing complete interest in ruling you know the kingdom and their duties as prime minister and home minister so they wrote many letters they started writing letters to chaitanya mahaprabhu that we want to all leave all this we want to just come and surrender to you please accept us as your at your lotus feet but they did not get any response from chaitanya mahaprabhu and after writing many letters one response they got from chaitanya mahaprabhu and that's when chaitanya mahaprabhu quoted that famous uh, example to them in the letter chaitanya mahaprabhu told them that if a wife has a paramour like she has an illicit affair with someone and she is very attached to her paramour at home she actually serves her husband very nicely so that the husband doesn't suspect anything at all and you know being the experts and you know scholars that they were rupa goswami and sanatan goswami they immediately understood chaitanya mahaprabhu's message and they thought that yes right now chaitanya mahaprabhu just wants us to continue with our current services to the muslim king but in our hearts be attached very attached to lord krishna and to his lotus feet and one day he will come and deliver us so then chaitanya mahaprabhu realized that yes now is the time i want to reclaim my two eternal servants and therefore he was actually going to vrindavan but on his way to vrindavan he took a detour and he came to ramakeli just to be with these two brothers and the whole you know it's very beautifully described in chaitanya charitramrita how when chaitanya mahaprabhu came to ramakeli he was loudly and ecstatically chanting and dancing in kirtan and there were hundreds and thousands of people who were following him and the ruler actually navabhushan shah came to know of that and he also he was awestruck so he actually called a person called keshav khan who was one of his ministers and he said what is this going on in our kingdom in ramakeli this sanyasi has come and everybody is just mad in ecstasy and following him and chanting and keshav khan obviously knew the position of chaitanya mahaprabhu and he did not want this because he knew how cruel and atrocious this king was so he did not want him to do any harm to chaitanya mahaprabhu so he downplayed the whole thing he said no 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 chumma you know he is just a beggar who is roaming around here and there people are just glorifying him unnecessarily it's not that he is just going and you know some people are singing with him and he is just singing but he is just a beggar who has come so then you actually nawab husain shah became very upset with keshav khan and he said what are you saying i have heard that he is you know because he is chanting the holy names everyone is just following him and everyone is chanting and dancing ecstatically i think he is the supreme lord allah he has come over here and you are talking like this about his position so he actually chastised keshav khan so he you know even his his heart had become transformed because of chaitanya mahaprabhu's presence in ramakeli and rupa goswami and sanatan goswami obviously were waiting for this opportunity so once in the dead of the night they you know dressed up just as simple medic mendicants and all the three brothers and anupam goswami already had a uh, uh, small son who was none other than jeeva goswami so all of them along with they took jeeva goswami also and they went to meet chaitanya mahaprabhu and that time you know with great humility with straw in their teeth they paid obeisances to chaitanya mahaprabhu and they said that please accept us at your lotus feet and at that stage chaitanya mahaprabhu said that yes you all are ready now so you all please give up everything and come to vrindavan and over at that time chaitanya mahaprabhu gave them four instructions as well he gave them four services and he told them that okay you'll move to vraja now and render these four services he said the first service you should do is uncover all of krishna's past time places 
in Vrindavan because we are talking about more than 500 years ago and most of the pastime places of Krishna were lost by that time. So he gave them that duty that go and uncover these pastime places so in future people can come and actually be absorbed in these places. The second instruction he gave them was to install deities in Vrindavan and to arrange for their worship over there. The third instruction was to complete, to write scriptures, bhakti scriptures. So he said write lots of books on bhakti yoga or in Bhagavad Dharma and distribute them. And the fourth instruction Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave them was to preach, to propagate the rules of devotional servants and of Bhagavad Dharma. So these are the four instructions he gave them and at that time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said also that I'm now giving you the names because they were still called uh, Amar Santosh and uh, Vallabha or you know he was the Muslim king was calling them Dabir Khas and Sakara Malik. So he said today I'm giving you the names of Rupa Goswami, Sanatan Goswami and Anupam Goswami. And now you all go and you all actually move to Vraja and start performing these duties, these orders which I have uh, told you about. So um, immediately Rupa Goswami and um, Anupam Goswami they left. And uh, Prabhupada describes that, you know, he took so many riches with him, whatever he had earned, Rupa Goswami during his time over there, and he distributed them. And Prabhupada says that he set an example for grahastas, how their wealth should be distributed. So he said 50% should be given for uh, activities of Krishna consciousness, for propagating Krishna consciousness. 25% should be given to family members, because obviously they are dependent on you, they have to be looked after. So 25% to family members, and 25% you can keep for your own personal use. So Rupa Goswami and Anupam Goswami were able to leave, but Sanatan Goswami had to stay back, because he was the Prime Minister of the region. So he had to wind up a few things and he had to stay back. But when he heard like Rupa Goswami and Anupam Goswami already reached and they were so happy, they were writing to Sanatan Goswami that you also please leave everything and come. And Rupa Goswami told him that I have left 10,000 gold coins also for you. If need be, you utilize them to buy, bribe your way out of that uh, particular palace. So Sanatan Goswami had lost complete interest by that time. And he st stopped attending to his ministerial duties and he was just absorbed in you know studying the Srimad Bhagavatam having discourses and discussions with all the other Vaishnavas whom he was inviting to his palace and the ruler the Muslim king was getting a bit this thing that why he's not coming and he just sent a note saying I'm sick I'm sick you know how we apply for sick leave for Janmashtami and all but we are not sick but engaged in services so like that he was uh, just applying for sick leave with the uh, king and then the king got worried and he said that these two were very efficient ministers and what has happened to Sanatan Goswami. So he sent a doctor that go and see what is wrong with him. And the doctor came back and said that he is fit and very healthy. He is just absorbed and studying Srimad Bhagavatam and you know having discussions with other Vaishnavas. So he became very angry and he himself came. Then Muslim, uh, the king himself came into the palace of Sanatan Goswami and he ordered his arrest and put him in the jail. And Sanatan Goswami actually then bribed the <coughs> jailkeeper, the guard who was guarding him. And he said, please allow me to leave this place because I am also, you know, you are also Allah ka banda, we say, no, you are also a servant of Allah like that. I also want to surrender myself, my life to our God. So please facilitate me in leaving. And that guard said, I understand that you are a you know, man of God, but I cannot do that because my life will be in danger if I allow you to go. 
so he gave him 7000 gold coins or something like that he gave to that guard and he said that you tell the king that you i had gone because he was shackled also sanatan goswami when he was imprisoned so he said that i had gone to the ganga to pass stool and uh, uh, take a bath or something like that and you tell him that i drowned and because i was shackled you couldn't find my body i just went down to the bottom of the ganga so that reason seemed a bit plausible so the guard agreed okay give me the gold coins and i will tell that reason and in that way sanatan goswami was able to escape and he also moved to vrindavan and in fact uh, when uh, he moved to vrindavan there were a very beautiful some very beautiful pastimes uh, that happened over there but also sanatan goswami and rupa goswami actually followed those four order uh, orders of chaitanya mahaprabhu and they were able to um inst- uncover so many places they installed very beautiful deities and they also wrote so many scriptures so some of the prominent books which sanatan goswami wrote were bhagavat obviously the brihad bhagavat amrita that is his really you know great epic that he has given us also hari bhakti vilas was written by sanatan goswami there was another book he important book he called uh, wrote was dashama tipani Dashama Tipani is actually a, uh, his commentary on the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam and also Dashama Charitra. So these were four prominent books he wrote. Obviously he wrote many more but these were four prominent books which Sanatan Goswami wrote and established so many temples. So his, his worshipable deity was Madan Mohan. Now in Vrindavan we know like we've heard from Srila Prabhupada and our Acharyas that there are three principal deities in uh, Vrindavan. Radha Madan Mohan, Radha Govindji and Radha Gopinath. and radha madan mohan is actually our sambandha uh, deity so radha madan mohan is there to give us the knowledge about our relationship with god and in fact it is said also sanatan goswami is also called as the sambandha acharya he came to teach us about our relationship like what is the gave us the knowledge of our relationship to god and then radha govindji are the abhideya deities and radha gopinath are the prayojana deities just giving us the goal of uh, krishna consciousness so while sanatan goswami was there you know he did what activities he did in because preaching propagate krishna consciousness was one of the orders so he was ext- he used to travel from village to village in vrindavan and he was very friendly with all the villagers so you know we have in the sarda goswami ashtakam we have the uh, 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 verse dheera dheera jana priyo dheera dheera jana priyo means they were he was very dear to the dheeras who are you know the good people and adheera means the ruffians as well so to both sanatan goswami was very dear so he used to travel from village to village and he was like the grandfather like you know he they used to consider him as their father and grandfather who has come to about ask about their welfare because sanatan goswami used to spend time in if he's gone to one village he will spend time over there he will sit and talk to the villagers and he will ask them oh your daughter was going to get married you were worried about that did you find a good groom for her uh, for her oh yeah last time you were telling your cow is pregnant how many calves has she given birth to now are the calves doing well oh how was your crop this time did you get a good crop so you see like you know seemingly mundane subject matters he was discussing but that was all to become their friend and then he would also tell them about bhagavad dharma he would give them the highest discourse and discussions and preaching about the uh, shrimad bhagavatam so like that he used to travel from village to village and sometimes you know in some villages especially there is a very important village called baithan and over there when sanatan goswami had gone those villagers were so attached to him that they were not because he would spend a day in a village and then he would leave but these villagers had become so attached that they said they were not allowing him to leave at all 
So Sanatan Goswami stayed there. He stayed back just, you know, because to fulfill the wishes of these villagers. He stayed back there over there for a few days. And then when he would leave, the whole village would gather. And they would all be crying in separation when Sanatan Goswami was leaving. That much attached they were to Sanatan Goswami. And they used to call <coughs> Sanatan Goswami as their guru, all these villagers. And therefore, when he disappeared from this world, they actually said that today, you know, the disappearance of Disappearance Day of Samatana Goswami will be celebrated as Guru Purnima. And what do they do? Because Sanatana Goswami was very attached to doing Govardhan Parikrama. So it is said till his old age, you know, even he was, he lived till the age of almost 70-75. In, even in his old age, he was not able to walk, but he still every day he would do Parikrama. For us, you know, we go once a year maybe and then one time we do Parikrama, that also we get tired because it takes 7-8 hours by if we walk and we do Parikrama. But every day Sanatan Goswami would uh, go around Govardhan. And Krishna was himself not able to see it because he, uh, he went to Sanatan Goswami in the form of a little boy. And he told Sanatan Goswami, Baba, you are so old, you are invalid now, it is so difficult for you to do this Parikrama. Why are you, you know, exerting yourself? You can stop this Parikrama now. You've done it for many years. And Sanatan Goswami told him, no, 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 Govardhan is my Lord and Master. I'm very attached to doing this Parikrama. Allow me to do this service. So then this little boy went on top of Govardhan and he started playing his flute. Obviously, he was none other than Lord Krishna. And because of his playing the flute, the stone on which he was standing, that actually melted. And his hoof print came on that. And he then came and gave that particular uh, Sheila, Govardhan Sheila to Sanatan Goswami. And he said, now you see, my hoof, hoof print is over, my uh, footprint is over here. And also the stick which he was holding, that impression also came in that particular Sheila. And he said that this is none other than me. And this is, you know, also Govardhan. So you please just do Parikrama of this particular Sheila. And that is how he tried to convince Sanatan Goswami about not, you know, continuing his uh, parikrama even in old age. So the Vrajvasis, when Sanatan Goswami disappeared, they declared that day of his disappearance as Guru Purnima day. And on this day, because they knew how much Sanatan Goswami was attached to Govardhan Parikrama, it is said that lakhs and lakhs of Vrajvasis do Govardhan Parikrama today. And it is said that in Karthik, we know like many people go uh, from, uh, from all these foreign countries also and they uh, Vrindavan, the Vrajvasis also do Parikrama, but more crowd is there on actually Guru Purnima day, today, because in honor of Sanatan Goswami. And if you go and ask Vrajvasis, they say that no, he was our Guru. Sanatan Goswami was a guru and in his honor we are doing this parikrama. So that much they were attached to Sanatan Goswami. So that is how Sanatan Goswami fulfilled the order of, uh, you know, preaching devotional service to the villagers um, in Vrindavan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So when Sanatan and the second one was writing scriptures. So Sanatan Goswami used to sit, especially in his old age, he used to sit on the, in, you know, under the shelter of Chakleshwar Mahadev temple. And he used to sit there and write all the scriptures. And, but when he was writing these scriptures and, you know, in the olden days it was so, um, so absorbing to write scriptures and it was so nectarian because they didn't have, you know, right now that we type in our laptops or we just look up things on our phones and all that or pen and paper at the best. But that time there were no pens, papers, nothing. So they would actually take treated leaves and they would inscribe on those treated leaves and within some herbs from the forest they would make inks and they would fill that inscription with inks and that is how they used to write books. 
so it was a very absorbing exercise when you know they used to write these books so sanatan goswami was absorbed he would put a lamp and then he, he would be sitting and writing but in the evening and night mosquitoes used to trouble him a lot in that particular place in chakleshwar mahadev where he was sitting so then sanatan goswami decided one day that you know these mosquitoes are troubling me and i'm not able to do my service really well so maybe tomorrow i'll move to a better place where there is not many mosquitoes now chakleshwar mahadev temple is none other than lord shiva's temple and lord shiva had become very attached to sanatan goswami obviously he is also a vaishnava and he became attached to sanatan goswami was another vaishnava so he thought oh i'm going to lose his association because he is thinking of going away so sana he actually um, became as a little boy and he told sanatan goswami that baba don't leave from here just one more night you stay if the mosquitoes are still troubling next day you leave so sanatan goswami said okay okay because he was very friendly to all the villagers and what did lord shiva do then he went to the de demigod so there's a demigod who is responsible for mosquitoes as well so he went to that demigod and he instructed him that tell all your followers all these mosquitoes not to trouble sanatan goswami any more let him peacefully do his seva over there and from the next day onwards obviously the demigod in charge of mosquitoes i don't know what his name is but he instructed his uh, the mosquitoes not to go and trouble sanatan goswami and he was peacefully able to continue his uh, services at um, near chakleshwar mahadev and um, you know sanatan goswami like we said he established the worship of madan mohan so so you know madan mohan deity has quite a few a, a, a bit of history so it was advaita acharya who was worshiping madan mohan whom the vrajvasis also lovingly call madan gopal so he was worshiping that deity when he was in vrindavan and then when he had to leave he gave the deity uh, to one very pious brahmana who was a very pure devotee of the lord called chobe so he told that brahmana that you worship this deity now this brahmana had vatsalya ras with the deity so he used to actually sometimes sometimes chastise the deity sometimes he would tell him why you are not eating what i'm giving you and the deity madan gopal deity would play with his friend uh, children also so that's how he was part of the family he was one of the childs you know the chobe had some children and he was also one of the children who used to play with them so once while sanatan goswami was you know he used to go to different villages he had gone to this brahman's house he had invited him and uh, while he was waiting to honor prashadam the brahman had offered to uh, to his deity to madan gopal and sanatan goswami saw that he was actually chastising the deity and he had a stick in his hand and you are saying you are not eating what i'm giving you like that he saw him chastising now sanatan goswami has written hari bhakti vilas so he has written down all the rules and regulations that how to be followed in deity worship and all and he said no 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 what this brahmana is doing is not right he should not be you know do having this sort of relationship with the lord you know friendly relationship where he is treating the lord as someone from his house so he then you know sat down and instructed that brahman that this is not the way you worship the deity you have to show some awe and reverence when you are worshiping the deity because he has come to accept your service that doesn't mean you treat him like this like you are chastising the deity and all that that's not how you do it so the brahman was like like you know we mentioned he was a very pure devotee of the lord and very humble so he said oh you are our guru if you are instructing me how can i not follow so i'm going to definitely start following what what you've told me i will not do like that with the deity and then sanatan goswami left from there after honoring prashadam so krishna came in his dream and he chastised madan gopal came in his dream and he chastised sanatan goswami why did you give these instructions to that brahman because i was really he had vatsalya ras for me and i was really enjoying that exchange now he has started worshiping me with all awe and reverence and i don't like that worship 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to inspire you, uh, him to come and give the deity to you now. So I will come under your care and now you look after me from now onwards. So then, you know, next day actually that Chobe Brahman came and he said that I want to hand over this deity to you. So Sanatan Goswami, that, that's how he got, you know, the deity Madan Mohan under his particular care. But Sanatan Goswami was a traveling mendicant. He didn't have a proper house, so he would just, you know, go from tree to tree, he would leave under some trees and he used to keep the deity in one cloth and he used to tie and carry him around and he would be begging here and there and sometimes, you know, he would get some wheat flour which he would mix with uh, Yamuna water and he would just cook it and, you know, he would make bati, they will call, so he will just eat that bati. So, and he would offer it to Madan Mohan and then he would eat. So once Madan Mohan told him that at least put some salt in that bati and give it, it is so dry, I can't even eat it. And then Sanatan Goswami, you know, very lovingly he pleaded with the Lord, he said, this is all I can do because I am absorbed in, you know, studying scriptures and all these things. So this is all I can do, you please accept this much service from me. So now Madan Mohan had to make his own arrangements because Sanatan Goswami declared like that. So there was, you know, in the meantime, there was a big, mer like a very um, a rich merchant whose ship gets stuck. I think he was taking everything to Mathura or Agra or somewhere to sell all his wares and his ships get stuck in the Yamuna. And he had lots of like things to sell. He had lot of salt in that ship and he also had lots of other things to sell. So his ship gets stuck and he gets distressed. So Madan Mohan takes the form of a little Vrajvasi boy and he goes and tells him that, you know, there is a Baba who lives on the top of, so this, he used to worship Madan Mohan on the top of Dwadash Aditya Tila. I'm sure all of us have seen the current Madan Mohan temple, it is on the Dwadash Aditya Tila. And that's where he said, see on the top of this hill, there is a Baba who can actually help you. So he, you know, he takes that uh, merchant to Sanatan Goswami and then Sanatan Goswami actually helps him. And also by Madan Mohan's own mercy, you know, there is a whole, you know, influx of water, a current of water comes and the ship becomes loose. And that's how the merchant is able to go and um, sell everything and he makes huge profit. And then he wants to come and serve Sanatan Goswami. So he says that I want to do something for you, please accept some service from me. Because it is you who helped me from getting the, if, I, if my ship would have been stuck, everything I would have lost and I would have incurred huge losses. So Sanatan Goswami said that I don't want personally for my anything for myself, but you please help because he understood that, you know, Madan Mohan has done all this arrangement by becoming a little Vrajwasi boy. So he realized that he has to arrange for some good worship and good bhoga offering for the Lord. So he said, you please help to build a temple for Madan Mohan. And that's what, that's the service I just need from you. So that was the first temple that was established. You know, there are many Goswami's temple, but that was the first temple that was proper Vaishnava temple that was constructed in um, Vrindavan by the help of this merchant. And we've all seen, you know, such beautiful architecture is there in Madan Mohan temple. And that's when the worship of Madan Mohan, you know, Sanatan Goswami established proper worship of Madan Mohan deity. And, you know, then, you know, there were two deities which were sent by the uh, other um, uh, Vaishnavas for, because there was no Radharani. So they were sending two deities to keep near, uh, to give for uh, Radharani, um, sorry, to give for Madan Mohan. And then Radharani came because one Radharani was to go to Madan Mohan and one Radharani was to go to Govindji. But Radharani came in the dream of the uh, Rajvasis and they said that they have sent two deities. Uh, one of them, the smaller one is me, it's me Radharani, you place me to the left of Lord uh, Madan Mohan. And the other one is 
my sister Lalita, uh, Lalita. So you place him on, place her on the other side, and that's how when we go to see Madan Mohan, both these deities are there next to Lord um, Madan Mohan. So there was four Vaishnavas. Just we end with one quality of Sanatan Goswami. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the Chaitanya Charitramrita Krishna Das Gaviraj Goswami says that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to teach four essential Vaishnava principles, and he did that through four of his dearest disciples or dearest associates. So he wanted to teach the Vaishnava principle of highest level of self-control, and for that he did through Ramanand Rai. Because Ramanand Rai, who is none other than Lalita Sakhi, he used to actually, you know, he was very expert in doing dramas, and he used to actually uh, get all these beautiful girls, and he used to dress them because they had to uh, enact the roles of gopis and all that, and he used to personally dress them on their, you know, putting jewelry on them and you know putting clothes on, the, on them and all that. But he absolutely would not get attracted. He's in a male body. He's dressing some females, but absolutely he would not get attracted because he was in his internal leela of arranging dramas for Lord Krishna's pleasure. So he taught Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught the highest level of self-control through Ramanand Rai. Then he taught the Vaishnava quality of neutrality through Damodar Pandit, which means not being political and being equal to all. So Damodar Pandit had that mood of. Uh, that everything should be properly done for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's service. So if some Vaishnava was not properly doing some service, he would very lovingly chastise him. And he would tell him, no, no, this is the way you should do service. We should not be lax in our service. And because he was very neutral and not doing like politics or diplomacy and all that, he would sometimes chastise Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also. If Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not doing some, you know, something properly, like, oh, you have to follow the etiquette of a sannyasi, you should not transgress this etiquette when you're accepting invitations, you have to be careful in whose house you are going, whom you're associating with. So even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he used to sometimes chastise. So this quality of neutrality and being apolitical, not being political at all, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually taught through uh, Damodar Pandit. And then the quality of tolerance, he taught through none other than Haridas Thakur. And we know like Haridas Thakur was beaten in 22 marketplaces, but still Haridas Thakur was absolutely tolerant and even praying for the people who were uh, beating him up. And the quality of humility, he taught through Sanatan Goswami's example and through Sanatan Goswami's character. And there's a beautiful pastime which enunciates this quality of humility in Sanatan Goswami. So Sanatan Goswami had come to live in Jagannath Puri for one year. And he was actually afflicted with some disease as well that time. You know, a lot of pus and blood and all used to come out from his body. And every time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would come and embrace him. And Sanatan Goswami would say that, don't embrace me, my Lord. He would try to go away because then the, you know, pus and blood would come on the Lord's body. So like that, Sanatan Goswami was very humble. And once uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had invited him for Prashad, that you come and honor Prashad with me. And Sanatan Goswami was in, in, so eager to go to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that... He reached there and he actually, you, there are two ways to go to the, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was at the Tota Gopina temple at that time. So there were two ways to go. One was through the Simhadwaram, that is a shortcut and a shaded place, where even the pandas also come and go, they are doing services for the Jagannath. So they also come and go from that way. And the other one was through the beach. Now this was during the month of May, June, that Sanatan Goswami was in Puri and it was extremely hot. But Sanatan Goswami did not take that cooler route and the shortcut through the Simhadwaram where the pandas would also go, but he went through the beach. 
and the sand of the beach was so hot that it was it was completely scorching Sanatan Goswami's feet. But because of his uh, anxiousness and eagerness to meet uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he did not even realize. He didn't feel any pain at all. And then when he went there, he honored Prashadam and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw that his feet were burnt. So he asked Sanatan Goswami that, how did you come over here from the temp uh, temple? And he said, oh, I came through the beach. And Sanatan Goswami asked him that, why did you come through the beach? Look at your feet. They have become completely burnt. It is May month. It is so hot on the beach. So why didn't you come through the Simhadwaram, the cooler route? And he said, no, there are all these pandas who are rendering service to the Lord and these brahmanas are also doing services and they are passing from there and I did not want to contaminate them through my association or because of my body, because he was having that disease. And Sanatan Goswami always used to think I'm very fallen because I had to serve this Muslim king for such a long time. So he would not even enter Jagannath Puri temple. So this was the humility. He did not just want to those brahmanas to get contaminated when they are doing their service to uh, Lord Jagannath and that's why he took the longer route and he allowed his own feet to get scorched. So this fourth quality of, uh, essential quality of humility, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually taught us through um, um, through Sanatan Goswami's example. And it is said that in uh, Krishna Leela, his eternal position is that of Rati Manjari. Um, and he's always serving the Lord, you know, he's serving Radharani as one of the Manjaris in one of the Kunjas. So these are some uh, pastimes and some qualities of Sanatan Goswami. Um, we'll end the class here. If there's any questions, comments, or corrections. Thank you very I just want to know your realization, how to absorb in the lotus feet of Krishna all the time. You said 24 hours. So how to do that? So answering that question is beyond my personal realization because I am not absorbed in the lotus feet of Krishna. But what we are hearing from all these, you know, scriptures from Srimad Bhagavatam, seeing in the, you know, for us it might not be directly be able to be absorbed all the time in that Smarana Dasha which Krishna talks about in the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita and therefore he has given us other regulations of Bhakti Yoga to be followed. So we engage ourselves, we keep ourselves busy in Krishna's service. We do, you know, reading, we do chanting. If possible with our body, we render some other devotional services, worship Tulsi Maharani, so, oh, and which, you know, you all are doing so nicely in your house. So that is the way we will be absorbed in Krishna, by rendering services with practical services through our senses because once our senses are engaged our mind will you know slowly then get engaged also at the lotus feet of Krishna. Thank you. Hare Krishna Mataji, thank you for the nice class. Mataji, you mentioned how the Lord Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita that um, the topmost is that performing devotional service towards Him. But if we can't do that, then we can like sit and chant for 24 hours. But if we can't do that also, we should at least help the ones who are doing it. But then why does Srila Prabhupada say in every lecture that the Bhajananandis are better than the Goshtyanandis? Because we see the Goshtyanandis can sit and chant and chant for 24 hours so so very nice question it's actually the other way around the bhajan anandis are the ones who sit and chant for 24 hours they're absorbed in their bhajan and the goshti anandis are the one who go out and preach so Prabhupada said goshti anandis are so actually there's nothing better or worse but Prabhupada because Prabhupada's mission was to spread Krishna consciousness 
um, and Prabhupada's mission was to, you know, fulfill Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's order. So if we know Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave, gave the order, Prithvite Yache Nagaradi Gram, like my, my word, um, holy name will be chanted all through the villages. And this particular order, you know, actually Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave when he was in Ramakeli. You know how we discussed, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was traveling through Ramakeli preaching and the devotees were getting scared and they were thinking the Hussein Shah will harm him. So they were telling him, don't do so much chanting, please control your ecstasy. And that time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had made that prediction that, you know, in every town and village my name will be heard and what you all are getting scared. So Srila Prabhupada wanted to fulfill that order of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and therefore he was wanting everybody to spread this Krishna consciousness movement. And therefore Srila Prabhupada wanted people to take it up. He says the family business of ISKCON is to uh, preach. So you know how when somebody has a family business of sweet making, then generations and generations keep making sweets. So like that he wanted the generations of devotees to preach. Because his, his heart was all about fulfilling, fulfilling Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. But the Bhajanandi saints are also glorious. When they are sitting in one place and chanting, for example, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's Guru Maharaj, he was not a Goshti Anandi saint, he was a Bhajananandi saint. He used to just sit in one place and chant. Whereas Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was Goshti Anandi, he was preaching extensively. But still he said that these Bhajananandi saints by sitting in one place and chanting are actually purifying the whole atmosphere. And they are like the energy, giving us the energy to then go and preach. In fact, once Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur gave a very nice example for that. Because somebody asked him that, you know, your Guru Maharaj is not doing so much preaching, but you're doing so much preaching, you've established so many mathas in different parts of India. And he actually said they were traveling in a boat at that time when somebody asked him that question. And he said that, can you see that uh, particular motor? So the engine makes a lot of noise when you go by those boats, you know, in the olden days, the engine would make dar 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 that sound. But he said, if you see that motor inside, that motor is not making any sound, but it is giving all the power to the engine to then, you know, go ahead and take the boat forward. So he said, I am like that engine, upar se, like from the top, I'm making dar 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 sound, but the power, I'm getting it from the mot uh, motor and that motor is my Guru Maharaj. So even he, though he is a Bhajananandi saint, he is empowering me to then do all this. So that is how, you know, both have their place in, you know, Krishna consciousness. But Prabhupada used to talk about Goshtiyanandi saints more because he was so eager to fulfill this particular desire and spread Krishna consciousness far and wide. Thank you, Mataji. If there's no other questions, we'll end the class here. Granthraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki, Srila Prabhupada ki. Jai Nitai Gaur Pramanande.